Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome, folks, to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. G'day, Lindy. Can you please tell us about our topic and our guests for this episode? Hi, Grant. Coming to you from a very sunny Sydney, but a cold day today. Um, We are going to be doing something interesting today. Not that every episode isn't interesting, of course. We're taking a break from talking about plastics and paper packaging materials. And today we're going to be taking a deep dive into intelligent automation and intelligent packaging at multiple levels in the packaged goods supply chain. And joining us in the studio today are two experts who will guide us through the new developments and technology that are advancing the industry and enabling it to meet sustainability and safety goals. Now, firstly, we have Andrew Steele, who's the Director for Retail at Barcoding and Intelligent Tracing Specialist GS1 Australia. And joining him, we have Jean-Michel Maclou, who's the Sales Manager Logistics Automation from SIC, one of the world's leading producers of sensors and sensor solutions for industrial automation applications. Welcome to both of you. Hi, Lindy. How are you? I'm very well and glad to have you here today. And welcome, Jean-Michel. Hi, Lindy. How are you? I'm good. So let's kick it off. And we're going to start with the heart of what is the GS1 operation, and that is barcoding and technology standards. This is an area that we've seen rapid advancement in, and the humble barcode, Andrew, as you're about to tell us, is capable of so much more. So I'd like you to tell us, Andrew, what the universal product code is, where the idea comes from, and how innovation has seen the expansion of the barcode beyond the realms of the supermarket that we see, that we're also used to knowing the barcode for, the supermarket scanning. Yeah, thanks, Lindy. Yeah, so um, a lot has happened in the in the 50 years since the barcode number was first invented. So for, for all your, um, your barcode nerds out in the audience, it is, it is turning 50 um, this year. Uh, and it started in retail grocery uh, and it was first known as the UPC or Universal Product Code because it started in the in the United States. But it has since evolved today to be known as the GTIN, the Global Trade Item Number. So back then it was about retailers coming together because they wanted more granular product identification. So pre-barcoding and scanning at point of sale, it was very difficult to, or you couldn't actually, distinguish between, say, a can of Coke or a can of Pepsi. They were just a grocery product that was a grocery department sale. What the unique barcode number enabled was ubiquitous, unique product identification where uh, at, when it's scanned at point of sale, you know you're selling, uh, selling a can of Coke as opposed to a a can of Pepsi, and you can extrapolate that across you know the many several thousand of products that a supermarket typically sells. So what it did is it um, created a whole new industry around scan sales at, at point of sale. So um, from there, it is it has evolved to beyond retail, grocery, into many other industry sectors as well. So it certainly has um, certainly has evolved, but the actual whilst the number itself is is fifty years old. What you find is the barcode that you see on the products is is typically a one-dimensional barcode. That is also it's old technology, and in today's world where everyone is you know constantly connected via their smartphone or other devices, there's a, a, an evolution in industry has occurred where uh, consumers are now wanting to find out more information about products and. Uh, what, what we're finding is that one-dimensional number only or GTIN only barcode is just not fit for purpose moving forward. So when it was started, it was, you know, the barcode or the barcode number was was an ID card number to identify something. But products today, they, they need much more than that. They need that ID number that says I am this, but they also need a website and, and like a social media account that people, consumers can connect to and, and retrieve information that's important to them, but also give them the opportunity to, to provide feedback. So are we doing that via something like the 2D barcode? Yeah. So a, a two-dimensional barcode is, is a really good example, uh, or a radio frequency RFID tag is another example of smarter 
technology solutions that are available today to, to identify products and provide much better connectivity, not just from business to business, but also most importantly, from the business to the consumer. It really enables that that brand, whether I'm Coca-Cola or Pepsi, to connect to, to the consumer. Um, whilst that is out in the marketplace today, you can you do find instances of um, products that might have two or three different symbols on them, like a QR code, the you know the GS1 EAN barcode. They might have um, another type of code on there as well to connect. I guess our global vision for the future is that. Uh, there will be an option for one barcode, a two-dimensional barcode most likely, that will enable all of those different uh, options to be fulfilled. So scanning a point of sale, something the consumer can also scan to to connect to the product, to the to the company, and um, yeah, and, and provide feedback or receive further information. So that's one end of the supply chain. And I want to look end to end and, and further back up it. Um, so Jean-Michel, I'm going to talk to you a little bit now about the activities that SICK has been involved in. SICK has been a strong advocate of GS1 standards and has been participating in the development of international standards for retail, for supply chain, airports, courier express, parcel delivery. So all those last mile solutions as well. Can you tell us a bit more about those activities? Well, thanks, Lindy. As you know, SICK is a uh, strong advocate of GS1 um, standards, but not only because uh, they were originated from world-leading retailers trying to streamline their supply chain, but over the years, their standards have grown so much in depth into almost every business, whether it's small, large, local and global. GS1 barcodes are simply uh, the most adopted standard if not one of the biggest adopted standards in the world trade today, and provides um, a reliable solution for product product data transparency in uh, very complex supply chain uh, environments. Because manufacturing could be happening anywhere around the world, as we know today, and um, when it is uh, when a product is circulating throughout the world. There needs to be a common way of being able to actually track this information. Um, and that could be anything. Um, I, I think consumable goods is probably even more critical because uh, you have things such as date codes, expiry dates, and when um, the meat was uh, cut or whatever it might be. So that information is really critical. So the technology part, how that sort of fits into play, is that we are essentially able with the, the unified uh, GS1 barcode we are in a position to be able to read the barcode and provide that relevant piece of information to uh, whether it's to, to the manufacturer, to uh, the consumers or to uh, supermarkets for that matter and able to provide them with a full um, turnkey information about the product. So as Andrew touched on earlier, SIC R&D is closely aligned with uh, GS1 development team as well as the market feedback and market reports that we're hearing out there. Our technology focuses um, on products and solutions enabling various level of scanning. Could be 1D, 2D codes, as well as RFID tags. And um, it, it is really highly dependent on the end user, specific specific application, where whether laser, camera, or RFID, uh, we can demonstrate how all three technologies can be combined if required. I suppose each technology fits, fits very specifically to a purposed application of capturing various level of information and for different budget requirements. We are always driven to help uh, our customers or users finding the right solution to their problems. Um, what we've noticed is that with one-dimensional barcode, although that it's actually start, it started something really, really powerful within the industry, uh, it does tend to have certain limitations in the marketplace. Hence, the development of 2D barcodes. 2D barcodes allowed for uh, more redundancy uh, within the barcode itself because product was transported around the world 
and the barcode could potentially be damaged in certain parts. Hence, that redundancy really helped out into various platforms of the, of the product being scanned. And now we have another level of a technology, which is RFID. RFID, again, opens up a, uh, another layer, which allows for a lot more information to be stored onto, a, um, onto an RFID chip and, and allows uh, any, uh, any part of the supply chain to uh, have very clear information about that specific product. That then provides a full closed-loop uh, solution in the ability of being able to track the product from manufacturing all the way up to the head office, all the way up through, through the supermarkets to the consumer, and it just really sort of opens up a, a lot of more opportunities for, for the manufacturers or, can, or, or um, uh, retail uh, organisations too, yeah? So a key part of this communication through RFID tags, QR codes, 2D barcodes, any barcodes, is the packaging. So if we take a closer look now at smart packaging, Andrew, how can smart packaging assist companies and industry to achieve sustainability goals? And can you also give us some examples? Sure, Lindy. Um, you know, I reckon I've been with GS1 nearly 20 years and we deal I deal daily with packaging technologists at, at the companies that we work with, you know, the different packaging substrates that they are trying to print the, the, the barcodes on to and, and get them to scan first time every time. And I reckon today there's not been a more exciting time to be a packaging technologist because of the innovations and the changes and the real paradigm shift that is happening in that industry. I mean, just, just today we were talking before about, um, you know, the Australian supermarkets uh, coming together to form a pack to eliminate plastic waste by 2025. You know, all this will flow back to suppliers and the packaging technologists about how they're going to work through this. Our role at GS1 with technology and standards like two-dimensional barcodes is is working with industry uh, to to show them how and what role these these smarter more granular uh, barcodes can play in the supply chain so if I use um, and, and Jean-Michel touched on it before around you know date codes or or um, you know uh, product or provenance information they're, they're all key bits of information that can be included into a barcode that can be shared along the along the supply chain. You know, Woolworths is, is a great example. They've released their 2025 sustainability goals about zero waste in their, particularly their private label uh, packaging. So they, uh, they've got some pretty high goals that they're working towards. Um, one of the things that we've seen is um, around around plastics, you know, and not all plastics are created equal. You know, is this plastic recyclable or, or is it not? You know, I'm not sure about your household, but I have four different types of bins to put my household waste into and um, damned if I can figure out if this type of plastic is recyclable or it has to go into the into the household waste bin. Now, if I have a barcode of sort that I can scan and find out that information, um, because my two teenagers are really big in this area and constantly at me to... Um, to, to, to reduce our household waste. So some of the innovative companies that we're working with have already gone down this path and, um, and uh, you know, putting, um, you know, putting processes and new technologies in, in, in place. The One of the big challenges or, I guess, shifts that we'll see with two-dimensional barcodes is we'll have to move away from the current scenario today where a lot of products have that one-dimensional barcode that is just included into the packaging artwork. So it's a it's a set and forget, if that makes sense. But if I want to put a barcode in that has a, a use-by date and a batch or a lot number or a serial number or some other bit of information, I have to move away from pre-print to inline printing. And that, that's going to be a big, a big paradigm shift for, uh, for industry. And that's where, you know, companies like SIC and other, other solution providers in this area are going to have a, a critically important role to play because they're the ones that are working hand in hand with suppliers to, um, to educate and assist them to, um, I guess, to, to future-proof their, uh, their capabilities. 
Well, now Woolworths, for example, you mentioned them, so I'm going to pick up on that. They recently trialed and have subsequently adopted uh, 2D barcode, Andrew. Can you tell us how that um, has benefited the product ranges that they've applied that to, the, the information that they're able to obtain as a result of that? Sure. So that, that actually started in loose produce. So, you know, think apples and pears and, and things like that. There was a little bit of a move towards um, packaging that, that type of produce. So moving to, you know, packs of apples or, or packs of pears. But consumers actually pushed back and said that they want to reduce the, the amount of packaging. So the little stickers that you had on products, uh, there's a barcode that is suitable for that. And part of that um, is, is allow that you can identify a number to identify that grower or pack house that that individual fruit has come from. So straight away, we've seen some enhanced standards that will um, give better traceability and, and better product identification in that space. That was phase one. Phase two for Woolworths was looking at other product categories like their fresh meat, so poultry, red meat and the likes, uh, and having a look at smarter barcodes um, that, that they could use there. And that's where the, the two, two-dimensional or GS1 data matrix barcode came into play. Um, they did a pilot at selected stores back in 2019 in Sydney, and that was then the, the stop-go decision for them as a business. Um, uh, it worked, so then they made the decision to roll that out, a gradual rollout across their, their national um, supermarket store fleet. So today, they are now live in all of their Australian supermarkets, so well over 1,000 stores that can scan these two-dimensional barcodes. Um, it's still mainly working with suppliers in the fresh meat area, um, but recently in their latest supplier magazine, uh, they they communicated out to suppliers that they can now scan these 2D barcodes and are interested in having conversations with suppliers in, in this area. Expiry date and, and food waste reduction is, is a big area that they see um, these, these barcodes playing. So they are, you know, I guess, targeting fresh foods, you know, dairy, perishable type categories where the product is, is relatively short life and they want to be able to... Um, you know, to move it through the store, move it through their supply chain without um, without having to um, uh, you know throw it out as as as, as food waste. So, Jean-Michel, I'm going to turn back to you now and ask you a little bit more about the technology that backs a lot of this, um, and how SIC is helping companies to increase sustainability and also, importantly, today to participate in the circular economy. Sure. Um, so I think uh, what's important tonight is that SIC uh, is very committed, committed to uh, sustainability um, and the environment. And I think uh, so are many uh, organisations out there today uh, where they are taking those extra steps to make sure that they are a sustainable green uh, organisation. Sustainable uh, packaging is very much a key um, element or key topic and as consumers are getting more and more educated about um, uh, what's happening in the environment uh, change, um, they are seeing uh, that and they are relating to that more and more. And as a result, they have a certain level of expectations that uh, manufacturers would also uh, be committed to want to make that change. Therefore, it is important to choose the right material for packaging um, uh, of goods um, and having said that packaging uh, because of the way the packaging and uh, the presence or image of that packaging is technology also plays quite an important part in that area because with regards to the technology well now with the introduction of the likes of two-dimensional codes and also uh, possible of possibility of RFID. It allows um, a lot of the manufacturers to find new ways of um, doing different forms of packaging, um, having information that consumers can connect to by the use of two-dimensional two barcodes. So I think it has a very strong um, aspects that a lot of manufacturers are, uh, are focusing on today. I, I, in some of the recent studies done uh, within the packaging sector, uh, there is uh, some, a lot of talking points around dissolvable packaging. Um, there is talks about edible packaging 
um, is an interesting uh, and innovative alternative to um, uh, to the current form of, of plastics, etc., that we have today, uh, and has uh, potentially uh, a significant decrease um, on our carbon footprint, which is exactly what consumers are already looking for. I, I think using raw materials. Uh, uh, such as extracted from um, algaes, natural sweeteners and natural dyes, um, such as using the skins of, uh, of fruits and vegetables, shows a lot of potential for um, offering the food industry a variety of options with regards to uh, various designs, options on packaging. So it, it, it is very important for us uh, to take this on board because more consumers in our days are aware of the astonishing cost of packaging waste and landfill pollutants that are released into the air, water or soil, which greatly impacts the um, Earth's ecosystem. So traditional packaging items, uh, you know, such as plastic, which is taking thousands of years to uh, decompose, is no longer a viable option. So packaging is definitely um, a key element of that. And with the technology that we have today, particularly around that two-dimensional codes. Uh, it allows us the ability to read various barcodes um, in different alignments, in uh, different varieties of, of elements, and providing a lot more information to the consumers as well with the use of uh, mobile phones, etc. So um, what, what we've also seen is, according to um, some of the recent uh, research uh, where by, done by uh, Grandview Research, is that smart packaging uh, revenues came in at, uh, I think, $10.8 billion in 2015 and is expected to reach uh, in excess of $26 billion in 2024. So there is a huge amount of investment being done. How technology is playing a part in that, it's... I think really hugely dependent on technology, what technology is capable to do today for them to be able to move to uh, some of those um, uh, new packaging uh, ideas. Because when we look at um, the current status today where most of the packaging have a 1D barcode and it is, uh, it is also based on the appearance, a lot of companies, a lot of uh, manufacturers that are producing certain um, product that's a, that's a, that's consumable product for them it is all about how the the the, the packaging looks uh, aesthetically so now with the enablement of uh, two-dimensional barcode it certainly offers a a, a much better in terms of, of being able to scan the product for one because when we're talking about two-dimensional technology the 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 Two-dimensional barcode technology offers a much more powerful processing power. As a result, the in terms of the barcode can essentially be a lot smaller. So we use less real estate into a packaging and uh, therefore manufacturers are just absolutely over the moon because it means that they can have a lot more real estate of where they can have their more advertising onto their packets, etc., but what it does also is that when we start to shift towards a sustainable nature where we're talking about um, dissolvable uh, plastic, et cetera, et cetera, um, it really offers them the ability to have a, a two-dimensional barcode which can also be adapted to those sorts of technologies they're talking about. And this is where I think technology plays a huge part in what's coming because it, it is some, somewhat very reliant on the technology being able to actually read um, or, or be able to identify that product for them to be able to move that way. So identification is obviously a critical element in the whole making sure that the barcode or whatever kind of code it is actually captures the data and um, sends out the communications that are necessary either to the consumer or back to the brand owner, et cetera. So in terms of scanning it and um, camera technology, what has SIC developed in that area? SIC being a pioneer in uh, vision camera technology or camera solutions um, and other scanning solutions 
we are no doubt one of the market leaders in industrial code reading um, and even uh, innovative technology such as RFID. So I think one of the areas that we've continued got to evolve is around that scanning technologies that's available out there today. And as a result, SIC has um, invests a lot of, um, of time and money towards development of new technologies, new scanning technologies. Some of the scanning technologies available today uh, is around image-based code reading, which is doing two-dimensional code readings. We've also got uh, uh, the uh, utilisation of RFID. And both of these technologies have got the ability to actually read, evaluate, um, analyse barcodes that are, in some cases, quite damaged due to um, corrective image uh, that is quite damaged. And as a result, with the technology, it has the ability to actually do corrective image processing uh, on board. And RFID is uh, one of those technology that has the ability to do the read and write um, on the chip, and um, large objects can be um, can can be identified in any way, shape, or form in any direction, and it has quite a uniqueness to it um, compared to, um, I suppose, barcoding technology, because we don't need the line of sight, um, and it has uh, a, a, a strong uh, power output that allows us to be able to read from longer range and longer distances. So I think what's important is that uh, SIG being a global company, um, we have the ability to actually support our customers worldwide. And with that, we uh, thrive ourselves on actually offering our services to our customers to accurately analyze their requirements whether it's uh, on the technical aspects or even consulting with them and providing with the relevant solutions, we are there um, to be a strong partner with our customers and uh, provide the, the relevant product and comprehensive on-site support. Because what is happening today is that more and more, not only, not only the manufacturers or uh, the retailers, but also the consumers want to be connected to the product that they buy. With uh, the drive of, of uh, the strong drive of e-commerce or increase of online sales, we find that consumers really want to be connected to their product. And the two-dimensional technology allows for that to happen because not only it takes a, a scanning of the barcode which provides the identification data, but it also provides an image which really then connects to the consumer because they feel that they're actually part of the transaction, the whole transaction from the time that they've actually purchased the goods to the time that they've actually received it. And, and with that, you have the element of the last mile, which is generally done by the courier companies. And the courier companies facing a very competitive edge of being, able, of being able to actually offer that level of technology to their customers. And that's via text, via phone, or via an app that allows the customer to retrack this product throughout. So this is where the camera-based technology, the 2D camera-based technology, really opens up a new dimension that we haven't seen uh, before. So that's really going to make a, a big change in the industry. And what about uh, 2D barcode readers? Um, I think you have a product range called SIC Lecto. Yes, the SIC Lecto. Uh, the um, Lecto uh, series uh, is one of our image-based code readers um, to identify 2D codes. Um, it is uh, used for reliable detection of not only 2D code, but also 1D code, um, stack codes, and is characterized uh, by uh, yeah, an excellent reading uh, property for, you know, whether it's small codes, uh, damage codes, or even some of the um, codes that are presented in various uh, quite obscure uh, angles, etc. cetera. Uh, it has ability for high, uh, highly flexible code position, um, object height, uh, and transport speed due to um, large the large field of view and dynamic focusing that it has. 
Uh, it is a, you know, often a cost-effective solution, straightforward, because it can tackle a lot of the application that is uh, to do with reading products on conveys or being conveyed in some way uh, or form, or some, some way, shape, or form. I guess uh, the uh, other thing is that the intelligent decoding uh, algorithms on board allows for a maximum reading performance, which is what a lot of our customers are looking for. High package throughput, um, even when codes are very difficult to read, and that could be because it's damaged or it's not really clearly visible um, in some way. And uh, because of the field of view, we have that ability to actually um, uh, read the code. So I think it is definitely one of the product range that uh, we would strongly recommend out there because it does really allow customers to actually take that next step in getting you know, high read rate uh, capabilities from the technology. So what I'm hearing here is multiple technologies, um, Andrew, and perhaps you can um, weigh in on this discussion that we've just had. Yeah, it's some, some great points we've raised there. The, um, one of the biggest challenges for, for industry moving forward will be as they move away from pre-printed barcodes to inline printing of, of two-dimensional barcodes, for example, you really need to have your process and your quality controls in place because, uh, and part of that, whatever solution you look at, um, we would strongly recommend you know, as a supplier, you need to scan that barcode before it leaves your premise and goes on to your customer. You can imagine how frustrating it would be if I send you know, a thousand products to Coles or another retailer that I'm supplying to only to find that my new smart two-dimensional barcode doesn't scan for some technical reason. So we would recommend certainly some sort of verification or scanning as part of that process, as part of that quality control process. Would you agree with that, Sean Michelle? Yeah, look, definitely. I, I think uh, the, the automation is increasing throughout the supply chain. We talked about uh, Woolworths, we talked about Coles. The, the big retail chain, they are strongly gearing up towards uh, implementing technology in major distribution centres. And it goes far beyond just the, um, the scanning point because this scanning information provides a lot of information throughout their whole automation process in terms of understanding the, um, the product data and when we talk about product data, we're not just talking about the barcode, but we're talking about the properties of the of the product, which is your dimensions, your weight, because this all plays a major part in terms of packing and unpacking of products when it comes to automation. So this is extremely critical, and, and all of this is possible because we have this ability to have a unified barcode that is understood worldwide and enables this process. So, Andrew, against the backdrop then of all of these technologies, let's consider the future of the packaging industry and the changes that lie ahead. Can you give us some insight from GS1's perspective of what's in store? Yeah, so from, from our perspective, the, I guess the prevalence of 2B, 2D barcodes out in the marketplace won't happen overnight. Um, we are looking at uh, a few years, uh, you know, talking globally about 2027 for when you'll really start to see 2D barcodes uh, replacing 1D barcodes on on most products out in the out in the marketplace. Not all, because the 1D barcode will, will always have a role to play. I think for for certain product categories or or whatever. Um, but part of, and this ties back to what we around sustainability and, and reduction and, and packaging and, and that. Uh, and, and it's been touched on. Uh, you know, one of the challenges is not only getting the the quality of the barcode right, but from the packaging substrate perspective as well. You know, companies that are moving away from plastic, uh, and we had this challenge a few years ago when industry moved to retail ready packaging. You know, uh, the cardboard carton goes into the retail, and they can just rip off the um, the top, and, and the box goes right on the shelf great for efficiencies in stores but if you run perforated edges through the the cartons the structure of the carton and then that carton has been stacked on a pallet you know there's structural integrity challenges that need to be addressed and as already been touched on with the increase in automation 
that you're seeing now and robotic building of pallets. You know, I've seen evidence where, um, you, know, uh, you know, manual labour where they build pallets, they, they, um, the same amount of cartons, if, if I'm building a pallet myself, might, might expand out to 23 pallets. Robotics doing it where they know the exact weight and the carton dimensions and, the, and they're building the pallet in a certain structure. They can reduce that, for example, from 23 pallets down to 19. So great efficiencies there because it's saving logistic space on the trucks and whatever, but it's also meaning that the, the weight of the pallets are increasing by 10, 15 plus kilos because there's more product on that pallet. So, yeah, so there's some there's some great opportunities, but also challenges that industry and particularly the packaging side of um, the, the industry will need to, to look at moving forward. I think so that, um, well, one of the important areas where there's been a lot of advance is in retail itself and the use of robots for um, stacking shelves. Um, as you say, they're building pallets and then bringing them into the store. Um, can you comment on that at all or perhaps Jean-Michel, either of you? So I'll just jump in quickly. So I know, um, as an example, you know, some of the, the retailer DCs now, when they're picking stores, so picking orders for stores, because th they actually have the planogram or store layout for that store, so they know which carton goes in which aisle or which even which bay within that aisle. So a lot, a lot of smarts and automation are going into that. So when the pallet gets delivered to the store, it's no longer they have to break it down out the back, you know, and then on this is an aisle five, this carton's an aisle seven, the actual pallet is for product that is in all that particular aisle or even within a bay of that aisle. So it's, yeah, it is, there is a lot more technology that's, that's evolving that space that is, that is really um, introducing some efficiencies. Jean-Michel? Yeah, I, I think uh, just to add to what Andrew said, um, uh, very true, because what we've seen is uh, on two fronts, you've got the supermarkets and you've got the retail. Towards the supermarkets, with the utilisation of robotics. Uh, robotics is allowing for specific packaging to be done in a specific sequence because what we're seeing in supermarkets is that dairy, the, the likes of uh, Woolworths, Aldi or Coles, they have stores very much into every new estate you can find these days, which is little small stores as opposed to the big larger stores. And what that means is that they've got to reduce amount of real estate at the back of their, of their stores and things need to be done in a very um, systematic way so it allows them to actually unpack and pack as quickly as possible. So autom uh, robotic automation is allowing for that to happen because it teaches, it learns the way, the sequence of each of the different stores, how they unpack uh, their pallets and how they actually pack it on the shelf, which makes it a lot quicker, a lot more efficient. And within the, the retail and what we're, we're noticing is that there is different level of utilisation of technology being, being done, uh, one of which I'm sure Andrew would agree is RFID is becoming a big driver, particularly towards uh, Garmin uh, clothing. You know, you've got the likes of Zara, which implements RFID uh, today, and they, uh, they then enable another layer that was otherwise not possible before by being able to scan their store on a nightly basis after every before every store closure, they go through all their racks and know exactly what was sold on the day. And that information then is immediately transferred straight into the factory because it allows them to actually see what is still sitting on the shelf, what is not moving today, and which other stores are actually selling this product. Therefore, they can actually do a lot of internal shifting of products where a specific type of product is actually selling more than, than others into different areas or different territories or regions. And that, that is what uh, they're looking for because it opens up this new level of transparency, which otherwise they didn't have before. Well, that's, that's impressive stuff. I must say it, is, it must be unlocking so much value for companies selling into retail. Now, I did see on your website, Jean-Michel, that uh, there was a success story um, to do with a 2D LiDAR sensor. Sorry if I've incorrectly pronounced that. Uh, for supermarket restocking. Um, can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So, with regards to the recent success story about a 2D LiDAR restocking uh, application, with the development of uh, robot and cobots, um, it seems uh, inevitable that uh, we will have 
of them operating more and more in our daily lives. The uh, mobile assistance robots, one, uh, six customers uh, developed and integrated our, our 2D LiDAR sensor and also our safety laser scanners are used in supermarkets without having to make any sort of structural changes to the stores. The uh, LiDAR sensors uh, from SIC uh, used for point-by-point point point or point-to-point point, uh, mapping um, of building interiors. The raw scan data that we get from it uh, is then retrieved, which engineers use to generate a map of the supermarket, so therefore nothing really changes with the layout of the supermarkets. One of the uh, LiDAR scanners that we use is the TIM uh, 510, which is a two-dimensional LiDAR sensor, um, and the team safety scanner for safety around the operation of the mobile robots. Uh, both, especially designed for mobile application, are characterised by high reliability when detecting obstacles or measuring the surroundings. Therefore, when mobile robots moving from point A to point B, uh, to complete a restocking task on its own. Um, it can uh, set it, its route because of the mapping functionality, weave between station stationary obstacles, you know, such as lift, trucks, boxes, uh, you name it, um, slow down or stop when it uh, encounters uh, people in its path because of the safety devices that we've, we've got attached to the system and even calculate a new route if the path is blocked because of the mapping functionality it allows for that to happen. Um, it also is capable of um, following and accompanying uh, a person or a staff uh, in appropriate mode, so depending on what mode it's in. And we, we, we see in, in the news that um, Amazon opened their new autonomous uh, store without checkout in the UK. And I believe that such robot application will be very common in the very near future. So in terms of looking at the future from six perspective and, and the work that you're doing in the automation field, what about um, things like AI and the packaging industry? Would you like to comment on that, Jean-Michel? Sure, Lindy. What uh, we're seeing is that AI is becoming a very strong driver in the marketplace. And uh, with SICK also, uh, with the, the help of deep learning from SICK, um, it breaks new grounds into industrial automation. Uh, our app space, um, artificial intelligence software and uh, web service equipment, SICK sensors with um, brain uh, that uh, through neural network and cloud training, uh, they can perform more complicated uh, decision-making tasks. Um, and... That is really uh, sort of assisting with, uh, I guess, with uh, the changes that's happening in the industry, particularly into uh, spaces as warehousing with robots. And, uh, yeah, that uh, then allows us to have more of this collaborative uh, platform. What we're also seeing is a lot of shift towards um, uh, cobots, collaborative robots, where uh, during the manufacturing phase, you've got robots and humans collaborating together, which otherwise was an absolute no-no in the past. So technology has definitely enabled that to happen. And I think I think we, we need to embrace technology. I know a lot of people are actually quite frightened of it because they think that uh, it's going to take over jobs, but I don't think that that is the case. It actually unlocks um, certain areas where you have uh, a fair bit of repetitive work that is being done, where the collaboration of, of robots and human can actually really work well and interact well into these spaces. I was reading um, uh, some few articles uh, way back where it was talking about this shift of manufacturing. So the current manufacturing um, process today is that we go out to the, the cheapest manufacturer, it could be in China or India or different parts of the world, whereas this is going to shift very soon and we're going to start to see more of local manufacturing because customers, consumers, will want to actually really have personalised items. And, and the only way we can make that happen 
is with the use of collaborative robots and robot technologies because that's the only way we can actually make this happen in a quick way and still provide the customer the same level of experience that it would have, but with that personalised touch to it. So this is where technology will play a big part. We have spoken um, before and Grant's nodding his head along because we spoke about mass customization on our previous podcast and coming soon, we're going to be doing a, uh, an episode on, on cobots because very much bringing cobots into the workspace is, as you said, it is not taking jobs away. It is freeing up people from doing those manual repetitive tasks in order to go off and be more creative, doing cre- finding other value in the business. So, um all is not lost. Certainly AI is something that we would like to see more of. Now, I did want to say that um, there is a study by Global Market Insights that has found that the global supply chain analytics market is set to grow by 16%, um, which leads to a, res- a rising demand in supply chain analytics tools. And we've got more gr- um, analytics solutions coming through in the Asia Pacific um, and an increasing adoption of technology by large enterprises Um, as well as the preference for inventory analytics solutions. So that's a whole lot of words put together. Um, Analytic solutions is something that uh, you specialize in. Um, So can either of you comment on what this means? So I'll I'll, uh, uh, certainly say that uh, analytics has come a long way uh, because with the use of technology, the technology is actually providing a lot more information than what it used to do 10 years ago. Um, a lot of the different technologies that we that we implement today into different um, into different areas of automation provides uh, information such as uh, when we've read a certain product, um, how long the product was online for, information such as date code, expiry date codes. All of that information can actually be shared live, and anyone that has access to that information can view that uh, real time. And this is now with the enablement of cloud technology, we have the ability to actually have an analytics package which is based on a cloud solution and offers a uh, efficient way of uh, doing inventory management or even looking at managing our key performance matrix. Yeah, so that's something that really is becoming more and more powerful because. We're not looking at only one dimension of the whole supply chain. We're not just looking at the manufacturing, but we're also looking at the manufacturing, the transportation side of it, the warehousing side of the business, and all of that can actually be viewed onto one platform and offers that information to uh, to the main supplier of the product because that information then becomes really, really powerful for them to understand how their product is going, is it selling, do they need to make more? Do they need to predict more? Or, do they, or is that product not successful in the marketplace? So all these uh, analytic tools are certainly going to enable that to happen. And I think various research that was done out there in the industry, there was an excess of 34% um, that said that uh, the data, the amount of data we're getting today is so powerful um, to unlock a lot of these, um, you know, challenges that we're seeing out there and I think and I think one of the biggest challenges been in the last few years is various party within the supply chain coming to terms with actually releasing this information because I think in the past a lot of information was quite secretive and we, we tend to just hold on to it but now I think a lot of them are actually seeing the bigger picture it's not just about one part of that supply chain it's about understanding the full complete supply chain how that's operating and how everybody within that supply chain can become more efficient and reduce cost it's a very competitive market for everyone out there and I, th- and I think that everybody would agree that if there is ways we can automate and improve the process then that usually uh, will be the the approach they would want to take well that certainly sounds like a good place to to bring this to a wrap um, Andrew I did want to ask you, though, for one last message um, regarding the value of these of data sharing and um, having these new platforms going forward. I guess from our perspective, it's all about getting the, the foundations right, and then that will enable um, new technologies and solutions to 
operate at their, I guess, optimum um, capacity or capability. Um, so I guess as an example, one of the biggest non-value adding activities that I see in, in retail stores today, particularly food retailers, is where you have staff walking around manually checking the best before or expiry date codes on products. Who would want to do that for a job? Now, if I if, if we have the technology where that, that date code is in the barcode, the store, when they order the product, either from the supplier or their their, their distribution centre, they get notification that they've got, you know, 100 bottles of, of milk with this best before date on it. Then they can reconcile that with what gets scanned at point of sale. So they have a lot more accurate idea of, of what units they have left of that, of that milk that as it approaches its shelf life, they can then proactively look to, to mark it down and, and still push it through, you know, in my family, we go through two, two to three litres of milk a day. So I'm happy to buy milk at 40 or 50% off that only has a couple of days shelf life on it because we'll move it through. Um, but I I guess, you know, personally, I get frustrated if I'm paying full price for milk that has only got two or three days life on it. So these are the sorts of business but also consumer engagement challenges that I think will uh, are going to be solved um, but to do that and, and many other um, you know, solutions and, and problems that we're looking to solve to do them we need to get those foundations right. Well thank you both of you for joining us today for telling us about the technologies and how they can unlock such tremendous possibilities for not only retail efficiency, for consumer um, information, but also for efficient manufacturing, which is vital as we move towards reshoring manufacturing here in, a new, in our new post-COVID world and also um, adopting circular economy um, practices in our markets and in our in environments. Thank you very much for joining us today, Andrew and Jean-Michel. Thanks, Lindy. Thank you, Lindy. Well, thanks, folks, for joining us for this episode. It's been a great discussion on the use of technology in packaging and the end-to-end -end supply chain. Um, I've certainly enjoyed uh, pinging my uh, technology wonders, so that's been great for me. Hope you've enjoyed it, and uh, we'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative episode. But until then, have a great day. You've been listening to the PKN Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News. Owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.